Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. Well, we have Max Fish on the line. Max, I really appreciate your time. And I'm going to send everybody over to your website because there's a lot of content there. Head over to realestateprojectsolutions.com, realestateprojectsolutions.com. And we're going to be talking about virtual assistants and building a team and and a variety of things. But uh, Max, I really appreciate your time here tonight. Hey, Jack. Uh, Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I kind of warned you ahead of time. I usually don't cover a lot of like background and how you get into this type of thing, because I'm sure you've told the story a million times. Um, But I find it interesting because you have done everything from fix and flipping to managing properties and and a variety of, of asset type of real estate investing. So there must be a story associated with you getting into virtual assistance and building the team and, and scaling for that matter. Yeah, there, uh, there is a story and I, uh, I appreciate, um, I appreciate that. I certainly, uh, I don't, I don't know that I've, I've done everything, but I've, you know, kind of try to make my, my dent in, uh, you know, my little corner of the world here. I uh, got into this, the real estate business, um, 2000s, uh, went through 2008, 2009, uh, went through that. And uh, long story short, um, set up a call center in my office. I had uh, at one time as many as eight people working in cubicles and uh, things were going pretty well. And then you start to have all the issues that you have when you hire uh, typical, uh, you know, 10, 12, you know, $14 an hour um, employees. And one thing led to another. They had to be let go. And a friend said, try uh, virtual assistance. And so after a, you know, about a year of kind of stumbling around trying to find my way, um, you know, we finally, finally got some traction and, and here we are today. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that you and I chatted about before we even hit record is the fact that more times than not, when I've talked to other companies that do virtual assistance, they're very narrowly focused. You have a very broad aspect of your company and it almost seems like you kind of tailor the real estate investor to the, to the need and you've tried to help them find specific talent like, um, why, why the broad aspect of your business? That's a good question. I think, um, I think kind of, well, I think it's twofold. I think one, um, I've always taken kind of a consultative approach, um, really to everything, uh, even my real estate business itself. You know, you hear a lot of, uh, a lot of folks, um, uh, talking about, uh, you know, solving problems. How do we help this person, uh, as it relates to motivated sellers? And, you know, so taking that consultative approach, I think is something that is, you know, is ingrained, uh, in me and something that I do really in all aspects of business. And, um, and then I think the other part of it is, you know, having started in this business at a pretty, uh, pretty young age, I, I didn't really have a lot of, of mentors and, and I didn't have, you know, access to, to YouTube, um, you know, Facebook was barely, um, barely a thing. Certainly, you know, no advertising didn't really exist in the real estate space. So I, I didn't have a whole lot of information. It was kind of like stumble, stumbling through things and learning as you go. Um, and so for that reason, you know, we really try to find out what, you know, what investors need in their business um, rather than just saying, 
you know, hey, yeah, we'll take your credit card and, you know, and hope for the best. So I, I think it's those two uh, things combined. Sure. So, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of us were, were kind of struggling or dealing with is that we've, um, there's kind of this romanticism associated with the grind and the hustle associated with building, with building, building a business or, or working in the business. And frankly, we get really busy with things that um, we probably should be handing off to somebody else. At what point does somebody need to consider adding a virtual assistant or an assistant of, of any kind? Yeah. So I, uh, so I look at it as, as outsourcing, um, you know, from a very high level and, you know, everything, I mean, think about your taxes, you know, I don't know about you. Um, I don't do my own taxes. I probably couldn't if I tried keeping, you know, your it guy. I mean, everything, if, 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 I'm sure the majority of your listeners, if they took a good look at their business, they would find that they currently outsource quite a bit of stuff. And, you know, if you take that approach to your business in a very um, methodical way, you're going to find a whole bunch of things that, quite frankly, you shouldn't do because either one, you're no good at it. Maybe there's somebody better. uh, Or two, I always talk about um, the highest and best use of your time. You know, so if you're um, a wholesaler and your thing is, you know, closing, closing uh, sellers and signing contracts, that's all you should be doing all day long. You know, real estate agent, if it's getting listings, same thing. You shouldn't be answering your own phone. You shouldn't be setting your appointments. You shouldn't be even doing your own paperwork. You should just be getting listings. And so what I would say to answer your question is everybody should look at their business and find out where they are the most um, where they have the most impact and where they generate the most revenue and everything else should be outsourced the question as to when really comes down to you know your you know your current financial position and and if you can afford it yeah well how how has it been to get get people's mindset around that because more times than not that has a lot to do with you making that investment and seeing the opportunity in in scaling versus the expense. Yeah, um, you're exactly right. So, you know, I believe that we have two major assets, you know, in business, right? You have, you know, the, obviously your, your cash you know, on hand or, or, or you know, cash-like um, equivalents you have, and then you have your time, right? So, you know, you can either uh, throw time at it or throw money at it, whatever the problem is. And, you know, so I find that there's two, really two kinds of people. There's the kind of people that look at um, the revenue that can be generated, you know, from a certain activity, whether that costs something or it's free, um, doesn't matter, uh, or the people that look at the expense, right? So it's simply just, you know, leading with, wow, that's expensive, or, oh my God, that could save me so much time, or that could help me generate more revenue. Those are really the only two scenarios that we see. Um, and, uh, and I think most people, you know, um, I think most people, especially in today's day and age, they recognize that their time is valuable. And, you know, the more they can get off the plate, the better. Most people, you know, they get it. Right. You know, we go into real estate investing to, to eventually free ourselves. You know, we, we, we try to create this, this thing to become passive investors to a certain extent. We know that real estate isn't a hundred percent passive, but we try to work towards that, but it's, it's almost sometimes difficult to let certain things go and, and, it, and do what's needed to achieve exactly that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm guilty of that. You know, there was a time where I tried to wear all the hats. I remember spending like three or four days um, trying to learn QuickBooks for for no reason whatsoever. You know, I think at some point, though, you realize that um, either you are the bottleneck or there, there's something else that's the bottleneck that, you know, like I said, they, they can or should be outsourced or handed off to somebody else because most people are only good at a handful of things. Certainly not everything. Sure. So could you, could you walk us through the process? Like, let's say somebody wants a virtual assistant. Are they going to have their first meeting with you or somebody on your team to ascertain exactly what they need or what they're, how how do you help them? Yeah, it really depends. So um, the majority of our business today is, is based on uh, referrals, um, either from, from friends in the business or, um, you know, other clients. So typically what will happen is, um, somebody will go to our website, they'll fill out the form. Um, one of my sales guys will contact them, set up an initial rotation. Uh, we do this initial exploratory call, find out about their business, find out about their needs, um, and see if we can even help, if we can even help, excuse me. In, in some cases, um, folks are referred, um, and maybe they're given my phone number or something like that. And, uh, and I'll typically work with them. So, I'd say there's a good chance you could get either one of us, um, but I do try to make myself available. So we do that exploratory call. If there's a fit, um, then we would proceed to uh, an agreement and um, you know a start date and, and start the onboarding process. So I'm sure um, most of it, when you're dealing with real estate investors, is a lot of cold calling maybe and or, or receiving a, receiving calls, making appointments. But are there any other uh, services that your your VAs can provide? Yeah. So when we, um, so Brent, uh, Brent Daniels uh, is a friend, uh, if you're familiar with uh, TTP uh, and his program. And basically um, he, uh, we were working, providing some, some, uh, some agents for his, uh, his business. And uh, when he started talking about us, um, we started to get a lot more traction, especially around the the cold calling piece. So I'd say that represents maybe 40% of our business today. Um, And outside of that, anything and everything real estate related. So we work uh, for commercial real estate brokers, residential real estate agents, uh, you know, listings, uh, transaction coordination, you know, acquisitions, dispositions, general uh, administrative tasks. Um, I mentioned bookkeeping earlier. Um, so really anything you can think of that doesn't require face-to-face. Um, and again, that's where I kind of go back to that consultative approach. Um, so I almost I almost liken our business to um, like a staffing and recruiting uh, firm. Sure. And where do you primarily do your, your staffing and recruiting? Is it here in the U S or do you, are you overseas somewhere? Very, very rarely do we have uh, domestic, um, engagements. Uh, we've done, I don't know, maybe half a dozen placements where someone says, Hey, look, I want to, you know, I want an acquisitions guy in my office. Um, where we really shine is that overseas, uh, we hire globally, uh, there's a lot of uh, companies out there that are focused specifically on the Philippines. And although they're good for some things, they have infrastructure and, and all that, um, they're, they're definitely not the best for everything. And, um, you know, so depending on people's price points, depending on what they need, it could be somebody entry level like a Filipino all the way up to, you know, an American, you know, uh, uh, an expat, you know, an American living abroad. And um, what's nice is you get that reduced expense because these folks are living in you know, low cost uh, living type areas. Well, you, you bring up low cost, like what could somebody expect? Like you, you source somebody for them in the Philippines. What, what does that typically run? Yeah. So we have two lines of business. We have our managed solution, which is basically we handle everything and that's going to start at 10 an hour. 
Um, and that's for an entry level person, you know, a F- Filipino, you know, maybe maybe some of Central South America. And that could go all the way up to, um, you know, an expat. Um, you know, you could go 20, maybe 22 an hour. Um, we typically have discounts and things like that. But I'd say a good rule of thumb is like 10 to 20 an hour, depending on the okay. client's needs. So is do you find that the accents and, and a few other things, you know, to be blunt, uh, I find that more times than not, somebody with a thick accent is joining these call or, or making cold calls or doing things on your behalf. Things can be start off a little shaky there. A hundred percent. Right. So I tell people a few things. Um, so in my business, for example, I have five callers. We have a whole think of it like a funnel. We have a whole stack, a um, lot of follow up. Um, and here in Philadelphia, it's extremely competitive. So for me, you know, I totally agree, but I also have to remind people all the time, look, you're not the target market, right? If you were in foreclosure, if you were behind on your taxes, you know, your response to people would probably be different than it is, you know, today, given your current situation. Um, but with that said, um, you know, we interview four to 500 people a month, right? I got three women. That's all I do full time is just interviews. So uh, just by that volume, we get incredible talent, arguably much better talent than most folks will get if they go out and throw up an ad on Craigslist or or go on Fiverr or or something like that. I have Filipinos that we've hired that you wouldn't, you would have no idea uh, that they're from the Philippines. You know, we've, we've gotten some of the most incredible, most talented, smartest, hardest working people from all over the world, just from incredible volume and a very, very rigorous hiring and recruiting and hiring process. So, you know, yes, we shy away from accents. Um, Unless somebody wants somebody to do administrative work that requires, you know, an education, but very little phone engagement, then it doesn't matter. But in almost every other instance, yeah, that's a big issue. And we, um, we shy away from heavy accents for sure. Sure. Well, as you've been, you know, uh, scaling this business now, you know, you you started off being a real estate investor, now scaling this business for yourself. What are some of the lessons that you've learned along the way? What's one of the biggest mistakes you made and what changed in your business process? So one of the biggest, so the biggest, the, the biggest mistake that I always tell people is not taking big enough risks often enough, but that's more for my real estate business. Um, this business in particular, one of the one of the um, one of the hardest lessons I learned, unfortunately, is be very careful about who you trust uh, and who you choose to work with. You know, we've had um, a number of folks come work with us, try to steal clients, try to steal data, try to steal you know different uh, proprietary methods. So, P just and it's all just silliness. You know, I mean, a lot of a lot of the clients are personal friends of mine. So, you know, they get a call from somebody who used to work for me saying, you know come with me, you know, my phone rings. So it's like goofy, but I'd say, you know, be careful who you trust. And then the other thing is, you know, this goes right to outsourcing, which is know what you're good at and focus on that. Because if, you know, like for me, going back to my analogy about taxes, for me to try to do my own taxes would be a straight waste of time. And it would take up so much time that, you know, the, I don't know, 3,500 bucks or whatever I pay a year to do the taxes is, is, nothing in comparison. Um, And I think that's a big, I think a lot of people really get hung up on all this software and things like that. For example, it's just, you know, don't, don't even try. So give us an example of, of uh, 
one or two of your clients and how you've changed their business by partnering with them? Yeah, so um, so we really look at ourselves as a partner. I'm glad that you put it that way. Um, you know, we are obviously just a vendor, and you know they can choose to to uh, to come and go as they please. Um, but I I really you know try to take a personal interest in people's business. Again, I've I've been doing this long enough that I, I don't profess to know everything, but I, I have seen a lot, and I can especially the newer guys. I can typically help at least give them some things to think about, um, maybe over and above what they 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 might. Um, you know, be considering at the time. So some clients, I, I, I think, um, I think about, we have this, uh, this uh, gentleman uh, newer to the business and uh, you know, just like I said, you know, he, he uh, recognized what he was good at and what he wasn't good at being on the phone, generating those, those cold call leads was one of them. And so uh, brought us on board and, and uh, you know, basically closed a couple of really, really significant deals right out of the gate. Um, and you know, nothing super sexy about this story other than to say, this is a guy that was, you know, making 15, 16 bucks an hour, got into the real estate space. And I think he, I think his first two deals in the first, you know, called six months or whatever was, was more than he'd ever made in a year. Um, so just a really, um, you know, really exciting story. And, and then another, I would, you know, um, we have a client, John and, and, you know, he went from, you know, doing a, a couple deals here and there, just kind of having fun with it. Um, him and his wife have a really incredible business, <clears throat> very successful business. Um, came on board with us and and uh, I believe he's at three. I think at one point he had four callers uh, and just absolutely crushing it. Um, you know, doing doing a good, a lot of business, but we really kind of came in, helped him create some SOPs, did some training. You know, he had, I think, three employees um, or has three employees. So we did some training there and and just really, really helped them to streamline things, you know, because when you're in the trenches, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to see what's right in front of you sometimes. Um, sure. So two, two, two different situations where we were able to, you know, I think do some good. You've mentioned the term SOP a couple times there. You might want to clarify that so people know what you're talking about. So, so when I say SOP, I mean standard operating procedures. We do a lot of, for example, where we'll take maybe a routine process and we will um, we will create uh, almost like a playbook um, or a training manual um, of the standard operating procedures for that, you know, that uh, role or that uh, department within the business. And then a client might use that down the road for, say, future training uh, if they're looking to bring on another individual. You know, if we have a playbook, say, for the lead generation aspect of someone's business, well, when they go from, say, one call or one text or whatever, you know, to two, to three, to four, it's nice to have those training manuals and for everybody to know exactly what to do, how to do it. And it's uniform across, you know, the entire department. Yeah. That, it's really important to bring that up because uh, when we, before we hit record, we were talking about, you know, people's expectations can be all over the place. So what, at, to what level does uh, the person need to be involved? Let's say I had a, I hired a VA. Do I do the training? Do you do the training? Do you provide your direction there? Like, how does that piece look? Yeah. So I realized when when you'd asked me before about the business, I mentioned there were two lines of business, but I only mentioned the managed. Um, so we also have the the uh, the unmanaged or the placement business, and that's where we just find the person, maybe do the training, client takes over, payroll, everything, and we're out. Um, so uh, regarding involvement, it can be anything from. I mean, we have clients that you know, for example, we're doing lead generation. They've never even signed into their dialer, so they have no idea what's going on as far as that goes. Now, obviously we give them weekly reports. I mean, they know what's happening in their business, but literally no interaction. 
you know, the old like, um, what is it? Uh, I like to eat sausage, but I don't want to know how it's made. Um, mm-hmm. However, the however the saying goes, um, all the way up to people who are, you know, right in there, you know, looking at the numbers every day and communicating with our team. And um, and then, of course, everything in between. So really, we try to, again, customize the solution for the, you know, for the client. Um, some people are more hands on and others just would rather focus on what they know they're good at. Sure. You know, and then there's some people that uh, you talked about the consulting. There's a lot of people who are, they don't know what they don't know. You know, when it comes to even like how to, what they might need help with. Like at what, how deep does your consulting go when they call in looking for some help? Yeah. So the consulting aspect of the business is relatively new. Um, this is something that we started this year. The, uh, when I was looking at the business, I, I, so I find myself a lot of times, you know, my, my real estate business is kind of doing its thing. I got it where I want it. I spend 10 to 20 hours a week doing that. The, the rest of my week, the other, you know, 20, 30 hours, whatever it might be, I find on the phone with people giving free information, which is perfectly fine. I have no issue with that. Um, but I, ch- I chose to really um, try to offer a, a higher level, a more personalized level of, of service um, for folks who are interested in, in uh, you know, I would say a deeper dive. Um, and the focus is really, you know, um, general structure, uh, outsourcing, scaling, you know, all around that, um, you know, kind of idea. Think of, uh, if you're familiar with Gina Wickman's Traction, uh, right people, right seats, and most people, you know, they might have an idea of what they want, but how to implement it is a totally different thing. And human resources and hiring and training, that can be a, a really draining, you know, ordeal for, for a lot of people. Um, and, and it requires a lot of, you know, typically requires a lot of bodies to, to, to get it done the right way. Well, you mentioned three to 500 interviews a, a week or something. I mean, a that's month. just a month. That's insane. Yeah. And that's, a, that's oh, an yeah. incredible pace. Like, uh, so how do you, how do you find your best cha- talent? I mean, to, to write an SOP for your three, three ladies that are doing all of the interviews, like how do, how do they source the best talent amongst all those people? Yeah. So we, um, so it, it, you know, this is, I don't know, five or six years in the making and we have created a very uh, arduous process for, you know, applying with us for, you know, kind of going through the motions. You know, it's not simply send a resume, have an interview. Yay. You're hired. We have really, again, I go back to the funnel, idea, you know, we've created this funnel where we essentially want people to, to bow out, right? We want people to say, you know what, because we're trying to get, you know, the very best, most highly motivated, and we're trying to find the people that are not going to jump in, say, "Mm, this isn't for me, and then leave. Because retention, you know, i.e. turnover, the biggest expense by far. So we really focus on trying to find those people that are going to come in, going to do a good job, and they're going to stick. So our, our process, there's, you know, we're on 90 something different websites paid and free. You know, we're, we're sourcing applications from all over the place. They're coming in, you know, we have a, like a database they all come into and, and the ladies just go through this whole thing and it's, you know, send us this information, follow these directions, um, do an interview. And then we want you to do these couple of things and get a medical certificate, you know, so it just goes on and on. And what we find is that a lot of people will just, they just disappear or they say, I don't want to do that or whatever. Um, and the folks who make it through, 
are usually very, very high quality. And then we maybe would hire 50% of those folks or something. So it ends up being like seven, 8% of the total people we, we interview something like that on a monthly basis. So when you, when you go through all of those, you, you just talked to, you're very motivated that once you find this talent to keep this talent, what strategies and tactics have you incorporated to make sure that you, these people are retained? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and it's funny because I've only ever gotten that question, I think once or maybe twice. Um, you know, most people, you know, if you, if you're a big, say Cialdini fan and, you know, and you, uh, uh, read about psychology and, and, um, human interaction, most people are the same, right? They want to be treated well. Um, and they want to know, like they belong to something, whatever that means. And they typically want to enjoy to some degree what they do, but, but nine times out of 10, it's about the people, the organization, that, that, kind of community, that kind of involvement aspect. So we we really focus on that. Everybody gets, you know, some kind of paid vacation. Everybody gets, um, you know, a certain amount of time off. We structure the workday so that for the people that are working basically a graveyard shift, right, like Philippines, for example, um, that we don't work them in such a way where they burn out, you know, and then year over year, people get more and more benefits, maybe pay, maybe some kind of benefit. Um, and then we do spiffs and we do these you know, these big team huddles. And, and we really just try to make, we really try to make people feel like they're part of something. And I, and I think, I really think that's kind of like the secret sauce. You know, one of the things that maybe it's just me, but one of the things that I, I've, I've struggled with is that I, I want to have enough confidence in a team, whether it's virtual or local or whatever, where I don't have to feel like I'm, I have to constantly be on them or constantly managing them? Like, how do you, how have you been able to create an environment in order for them to feel like that they actually own their piece of the business and that they're actually doing what you're saying? And, and, and uh, I'm sure that's part of that retention. So that's a delicate balance, right? Because, you know, we have, so like, for example, we have uh, one woman in the HR department, and she's she's the one that a lot of people they they don't, they're not real happy with her, but she's doing her job. You know, if you're two minutes late, check clocking in. She's she's going to be right there. You know, she'll be nice about it, be professional, but she's she's on you. So everybody knows that. You know, look, have fun, come do your thing, make some money. You know, we might have a spiff this week, pick up some some walking around money, but um you know, but you got to be on time. And, um, you know, conversely, we're not going to make you work OT unless, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to get paid for it. So, so the balance is, you know, the stick, right. Versus kind of the carrot aspect. I do not do stick. She does stick. I'm more the, you know, the good cop. Um, mm. and, you know, kind of focus on, on that piece of it. So, yeah, we really start off with a like a probationary period and everybody knows, you know, kind of these are the rules of the road. You know, if somebody shows up late in that first, you know, that first probationary period, it's, you know, hey, listen, this is, you know, this is your warning. Um, you know, the second time they're going to get a corrective action, it's written, you know, and we do everything, everything's documented. And for us, it's really about, listen, we're going to pay more than most. Okay. And we're going to, we're going to take care of you. Uh, but we also, you know, are going to ask a lot of you in return. And mm-hmm. we tell them that up front. Some people are up for that. And some people, you know, they'd rather, 
you know, get two computers, work for two clients at the same time and steal, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask you is if if that is an option where do you do you share these assistants with other companies or do yeah. you or it, it's it's more one person is dedicated to you? Yeah, now everybody that works for us, we hire everyone, we hire them exclusively. Um, they all sign non-disclosures, you know, background check, medical clearance. I mean, we take that stuff very seriously because in a lot of cases, you know, these folks are handling sensitive information. If nothing else, they're client leads. They're, they're, they're leads that people are paying for, especially, you know, again, if it's lead gen. Um, you know, we have some clients who are doing, say, property management. I mean, these people are dealing with, you know, with rental applications. They're dealing with people's social security numbers, their private personal information. I mean, we have to know, you know, who we're hiring. And we have a responsibility to the client to make sure that we're, we're not engaging um, questionable characters or, or anybody that would do anything not even nefarious, but just sloppy. I mean, you know, we got to, we got to be very careful about that kind of stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. So for us, it's, it's very important that it's, that they work for us exclusively, that they understand, um, you know, that that's extremely important to us. And, you know, kind of, I guess it kind of speaks to the, the, the culture aspect that you hear a lot about, um, especially like in the big corporate environments, you know, I tell everybody, look, if you're not interested in a home, if you're not interested in, kind of being part of something, then it's probably not for you, you know, and that's, that's how I've always taught, you know, that's every one of the women in HR, like a lot of the, the um, promotions that we do are internal promotions, you know, so there's always something to work toward if you want it. And where some people, I mean, I've, well, I've one guy's been with me for seven years or something. He just wants to come in, bang the phones and, and go home. And he works in my bit, my personal business. He wants no interest in any management or, or anything like that. So everybody's a little different. So if you get a VA through you, then do you have to commit to forty hours a week? What a, what what is how does that look? We do twenty and forty. So really, it's part time, full time, and it really all comes down to you know if you want twenty hours, for example, that's okay. You know, but if you're in California, okay, now it's you know it's maybe nine a.m. Uh, to uh, you know to what one p.m. Uh, but that's Pacific time, right? So now I have to find somebody that wants like the exact opposite. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can't ask somebody to like work for four hours, take off four hours, then work another four hours because they'd have no quality of life. And then we get mm-hmm. back to the retention issue. So typically we ask that uh, people, um, unless it's outside their budget or doesn't fit their needs, they try to go the full time route. And especially with lead generation, it's so competitive now that anything less than full time is it's just not ideal. Um, right. for the client. So when you bring on a virtual assistant, for example, do you find that it's easier to start off with a task or two that you're willing to hand off and then slowly add, add additional things as you, as you learn how each other work or dump as much onto that per VA as possible? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think it really depends on how you're approaching it. So if you're, if you're coming to us, you know, these people, I mean, we put them on payroll and we train them up front. So we do that on our dime. And we do that because when a client says, I want to get started, I don't expect them to start paying. And then we train that person. There, But then there's also a whole team, right? So, and I'm talking the managed solution, not the, not, you know, not the, the, the headhunter, the, the placement business, I call it. But, you know, there's an operations person, there's trainers, there's coaches. Um, I mean, there's so much going on there that, um, there's no reason why you can't just load somebody up. Um, and a lot of times there's a little bit of training that goes on there. So, you know, that's usually a process. But I would say within 30 days, 
that person should be rocking and rolling like they've been with you for 10 years. Sure. Well, Max, this has been an eye-opening conversation. I'm going to direct everybody, if you're interested in scaling your business, head over to realestateprojectsolutions.com. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. But Max, before I let you go, is there a question or concept you wished we would have covered here today? The only thing that I think that I would have, um, or that I would encourage everybody to consider, um, you know, this is, you know, for, for all your listeners is that if you are going to, uh, to scale or outsource, um, you know, just, uh, don't, um, I, the analogy I always use is painting, painting a wall. It's 90% prep. The actual painting is 10%. Make sure that you, you, you do not cut corners and that you do the prep work, um, upfront because the retention is a big issue and God forbid you have somebody that does something they shouldn't do in your business. That could be, uh, that could set you back um, substantially. So I would say if we had talked about that, that'd probably be beneficial to your listeners, but there's always next time. Well, uh, you know, we, we, if you have a couple more minutes, I mean, maybe we should co- cover that because when I, when you're talking just now, um, one of the things that I would like to know is that if somebody is, is looking into any company such as yours for virtual assistance, is there a couple of questions that they probably should ask? Or, or a couple red flags that they should be aware of. Yeah, I always go. For, I always go for the hard ones, right? So, a reference. You know, um, I, uh, I I routinely offer references. Uh, I figure if you can't even convince one of your buddies to get on the phone and lie for you, I'm not suggesting anybody does that. That that actually would not be cool. But if you can't figure out how to how to get somebody on the phone to talk to a potential client, then you have a problem. So. You know, if I was if roles were reversed, I would want a reference. I'd want to talk to somebody. You know, what is your experience? You know, um, I wouldn't necessarily make my decision based on that, um, but I would want to hear, you know, how the onboarding went, what to expect. Is there anything you would do differently? You know, these types of questions. So I think references are huge. Um, the other thing is, you know, I'd want to know if that person's in the business, right? So I am actively uh, wholesaling and rehabbing in the Philadelphia market. When I speak, I speak from a place of experience or maybe something I, I heard or saw with another client. And I think that's really important. Um, and then the last thing I would say, if it was like, if I was limiting it to say three, um, would be talk about your team. You know, I make my money in my real estate business. So I'm more interested in having a good um, client experience, and a lot of support, right? I'm not worried about, you know, necessarily how much profit this, this company generates. I want to make sure that we get the job done and we get it done correctly. So I think those those are three pretty important questions that I would ask. Well, I hope everybody stayed to the end there to to catch that. Um, Max, I really appreciate your time. This was a great conversation. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. I hope you'll take me up on that. I appreciate it, Jack. It was a pleasure, man. Thank you. If you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing, if so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.